0: 11 of us, what's the plan?
1: Well, as you know,
2: Jesus is dead. But stick with me, stick with me, okay? Stick with me, I have a plan.
0: We are going to steal his body. Okay, okay, I'm tracking with you, what's next? And then
2: we're going to tell the whole world that he rose from the dead. Oh, you know I'm in. (laughs) I love it already. (laughs) All right, classic, classic.
3: Then what? And then... We're all going to get brutally murdered!
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait,
2: wait. Come again, come again. Could you go over that last part real, real quick? Oh, what? We get murdered. What's the problem? Uh, I I like it. (laughs) I like it. I mean, don't... Don't get me wrong, Pete, I love me a good hoax as much as the next guy, right, <laughs> right? Uh, oh, what's in it for us? Do we all get riches, fame, and fortune first, right? No, no, get this. You're going to be hated, hated. persecuted, and reviled for the rest of your life! Oh! Oh!
5: Oh! Okay, guys, okay, fellas,
2: fellas, fellas, fellas. Uh, look, uh, I, I I gotta be missing something here, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, why on earth would we do this? Can Can we start over? Oh, uh, okay. We'll start from the beginning. Everybody for John. Yeah, the beloved disciple. So, okay. We go down to Jesus' tomb. Uh, sounds good. It's really easy. Then we pay off the Roman soldiers that are guarding the tomb with their lives. Why? Why would? They do that. Then, we somehow roll away the big stone that's in front of the tomb. Obviously, you have to move the rock first, Yeah. And then we steal his body. Yeah, I I mean, I I guess. Then, we tell the whole world that he rose from the dead, and we get brutally murdered for our troubles! (laughs) Epic prank, bro. (laughs) Peter, you rock! (laughs) Oh, oh, okay, guys, okay, and then what?
6: then we all get killed come on
2: when do we see ourselves become exalted and praised that's just it you don't What? What? what what is happening anyone hear what i'm saying
5: this is the most idiotic plan of all time
7: chill out bro i mean do i really have to explain the joke to you It's that we lie about Jesus' resurrection, and then we all
2: die.
5: How am I supposed to chill
2: out when our heads are getting cut off? Or worse, what is wrong with you guys? Thomas, okay, look, back me up here. I know you can't be cool with all this. I know you gotta have some doubts. Come on, doubts? Oh another how many it shit guys! Okay, okay, you guys have officially lost it, okay? I, I am out of here. I, I'd rather be exiled to a deserted island than spend another minute with you wackos!
3: Have I got some
0: good news for you! Hey, good morning, Capital City! How are we today? Good? We're glad to have you with us today. I want to welcome you to Capital City. If you're new, we're thrilled that you're here. I, I'm going to ask you if you would not mind to do me a favor. So you folk in these center sections right here, if you've got room to slide in, so towards the center, that would be great if you don't mind. Uh, I have noticed over the last few months, we have become a church of people who love showing up late. So we're always having a hard time finding a seats. So if you guys here in the center, now if you guys over here on these sides, if you could go to your right okay if you have room and can slide to your right that'd be awesome and you people over here if you've got room and you could slide to your left okay if you can come across the aisle to your left that way it'll it'll make a little bit easier for us to help people find see if you just look around you see we still have people trying to find seats here in the building this morning but hey are you ready to worship today Jesus is alive amen we're here to worship him it's Easter happy Easter he is risen
6: People seem to love mountains. They're simple, yet majestic. They seem superior, yet they're accessible. We love the challenge of climbing. We love the peace of the view. We love the adrenaline of looking down. Mountains seem to be that place where big things happen. If you've ever been on a mountain, then you have a story to tell. It's memorable, it's impactful, maybe even life-changing, but not always good. Not all mountain experiences are as we hoped they would be. Jesus' last place of freedom took place on the Mount of Olives, where he prayed for the strength and courage that the next mountain would require. Calvary, a mountain of darkness, torture, pain, betrayal, loss, the mountain where Jesus asks why God has forsaken him, the mountain where Jesus says, finish. The mountain that led to the tomb. Our expectation of tombs are much less than that of a mountain. I mean, what do you really expect to find in a cemetery? Really, really only one thing. Monuments to the dead. Little snapshots of a life that no longer exists except in memory. And what do you expect of the dead? Only one thing. That they stay there. Everyone who knew Jesus expected the same thing. On that Friday, they heard Jesus say, It is finished. But Sunday is coming. A
3: great light dawns in Some say bad men, some say king, wonder-working rebel free Jesus Christ the Nazarene. He knew it, what it would take to free us all from sin. man would have to die don't he could pay that price Friday's good cuz sunday is coming don't lose hope cuz sunday is coming are your you better start running Friday's good, good cause, cause Sunday's Sunday coming So we let those soldiers take him in As his friend betrayed him with a kiss The day before
7: Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared to anoint the body. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, "Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here." He is risen from the dead. And that is why we are here celebrating this morning. Welcome to Easter at Cap City. He is alive. He is risen. He is here. And let's continue to worship him this morning.
3: Testify that God is good all the time He saw me and heard my cry. Now I am His. This
5: is my story. I testify that God is good all the time He saw me.
7: So if this is your story, the story of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and hope, make sure you say, it's my story. I'm going to testify. He's good all the time. Come on, check it out. This This is is my story.
3: story. I testify that God is good all the time. He
5: saw me and heard my cry. Now I am his. This is my story. I testify that God is good all the time. He saw Good. All, All the time, time He saw me and heard my cry. Now I am here. This is my story. Yes, I testify. All the time, He Good. saw me.
1: Matthew
6: Eddington and this is our friend Mary Beth and her daughter Sadie Tipton
4: and they have both decided to get baptized today I believe
6: I believe that Jesus is the Christ that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God the Son of God and I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior and I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior Because your confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of God's Holy Spirit. All right, so do
4: you stand over here, okay? We're going to do more. Ready?
6: Such a cool day uh, to be able to come together and to to make a big deal. It seems strange sometimes we think that we're celebrating something that happened thousands of years ago, you know? At the same time, it is still real and relevant for this very moment. I love that we get together and we we celebrate this on a yearly basis. It's just a big deal, a big day. But I really like that we do this weekly. That we don't just wait for once a year to celebrate this, but that we come together every Sunday as a family, as a community that comes together and says, no, this moment in history was so significant that it changes everything about how we live. And so we come together and we do weird things. We do stuff like eat small, like the tiniest pieces of bread you've ever seen in your life, right? And we drink the smallest amount of juice you've ever ever had. It leaves you wanting more usually, right? But we do it because it's important. We come into this place and we say that every time we get together, we don't want to ever forget why we're pulled together. We don't want to ever forget what it is that unifies us and causes us to actually be a family. And so it looks like baptism. It's how we kind of begin in this family where we say that we're followers of Jesus. And then we get together every week and we take small pieces of bread because we remember the body of Jesus. We want to remember what happened on Friday. We remember his blood in the form of that juice as we drink it. Because we know that in that moment, that's when our sins were forgiven. That's when we know that he made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. It's what we deserve, but he did it for us. And we don't want to ever come together and forget that moment. His generosity causes us to respond with generosity. That's really cool. So even as we do this as a family, as we come together and as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we take those emblems to remember, we also participate in giving. We give back and if you're part of this family if you're part of the cap city family we have these black boxes there that's that's how we give our offerings uh, how how we participate in our uh, our our place our position our role in, in, in this family and how we uh, take care of the needs of others how we meet needs and then sometimes we go even above and beyond that we have these white buckets on each of the tables that are around the room where you can give even more and that money in those buckets just goes straight back into this community goes straight back to people Uh, who can use some encouragement, who can use some help, ways that we can help collectively that we wouldn't be able to individually. That's really cool. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to go to these tables. There's one other thing that I want you to find, though, when you go up there. You should find a basket on each of these tables, and it has a little gray bracelet. I'm wearing one right here. That's for you. So make sure you grab one of those bracelets as you go back to your seat, as you meditate over what it is that we're doing right now. Go ahead and read what's on that bracelet and begin to ponder what it means. We'll be unpacking that the rest of this morning. Uh, but go ahead and, and why don't you go to the tables.
4: Let's pray together. Father, we know that it is by your invitation that we're here. It's by your grace, your sacrifice that we are here. We want to give you thanks, the honor and the praise that you deserve. And now we pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ, your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. morning. So, it's kind of like Jesus' enemies have finally got him exactly where they want him. They had had him arrested on trumped-up charges. They'd put him through the farce of a trial. They'd had him beaten with a whip until he was nearly dead. Stripped naked, nailed hands and feet to a cross. And now he's there just on the edge of dying. One of his disciples is dead. Ten of them are in hiding. Only one of them dared watch. Their hopes that Jesus was actually their Messiah, even their inklings that perhaps he was more, maybe even the Son of God, all of their hopes ruined. Complete disillusionment. Emptiness. And on that cross, Jesus said, It's finished, it's done. What did he mean? It's finished. Now, I don't think that Jesus was the only one at the scene who was thinking something like that. But I suspect those words meant something different to each person who was there. I mean, there were the Roman soldiers, right, whose job it was to execute Jesus. Their job was almost finished. There were the Jewish leaders who had finally won, right? The heretic who had been such an annoyance, all but dead. They sure hoped he was finished. The crowd that had gathered, because crowds always gather to watch someone else's humiliation and pain, right? We're kind of like that. Well, the show was almost over, almost finished. The disciples, all but one of whom are absent physically, they're thinking this wild adventure that they had been on, looks like it's over, right? Finished. Finished. His mom, with just a few of his closest friends, watching her son die. (laughs) Let me show you a few pics. You see, it is finished can mean a whole lot of different things, depending on who's saying them and what their emotion might be. Which picture do you think matches those words for each of these characters? Which picture do you think matches what Jesus was trying to say when he said, it is finished? You got the Roman soldiers. And I suspect at least one of them is going to be thinking in just a few minutes, oh my, what have we just done? What's finished? Maybe he really was the Son of God, he said. The Jewish leaders, maybe some of them are kind of like Robert Downey Jr., you know, Tony Stark, Iron Man, in total control, supremely confident. It's done. We did it. Or maybe you picture them a little bit more diabolically with this evil little grin, our work is done. The crowd that had gathered, I kind of wonder whether some of them were kind of like this. He's done. He's done, right? Or maybe they were disappointed that the show was finally about over. There might have been a few of them were kind of like that guy sitting at his desk with his eyes wide open and his mouth twisted. Uh Uh-oh. The disciples, I kind of figure they look like Frodo, right? It's over. He's done. What do we do now? Jesus' mom, I actually kind of picture her something like this, right? What would you moms look like if that was your kid? And what about Jesus himself? I mean, he's the one who said the words out loud, it is finished. Which picture do you think captures Jesus? Frodo? The words of a broken man. Tony Stark, supreme confidence. Maybe the defiance of a two-year-old, it's done. Maybe even (laughs) the giddy squirrel, it's over, it's finished, I win. One more question. Which of these pictures pictures you? Now here's a macabre question, here it is, have you ever watched someone die? Have you ever seen someone just dead? That's exactly what Jesus looked like right? When he said these words he was right on the edge of dying, in a few minutes he would be dead and not mostly dead, I'm talking totally dead, these Romans were experts at making people dead, to make sure they stuck a spear through his side into the cavity around his heart. Jesus didn't squirm, he didn't moan, he was dead. It all seemed finished. So many things. So many other things seemed finished, wrecked, over. Kind of like some of these things. I mean, Jesus had actually said some of the wildest things, Right? One time, Jesus had said this. He said, the Son of Man, which is what Jesus called himself a lot, he says, I have come to seek and save those who are lost. Kind of looks like mission failure, doesn't it? One time he had said, and this is weird, he said, just like Moses lifted up a bronze snake in the wilderness, and that's a weird little story that they were familiar with. I mean, one time, Ages ago, people were dying, and Moses lifts this snake up on a pole, and whoever looked at it was healed. They all knew the story. And Jesus says, just like Moses lifted up a bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I have to be lifted up. I have to be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. Well, he's lifted up on a pole. it looks dead. We're supposed to believe that he is the one that we believe in for eternal life? Seemed finished. It's amazing how different those words would sound in three days. And Jesus had made some of the wildest claims, right, about himself. The things he claimed about himself made him sound like a megalomaniacal liar or a delusional lunatic. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. You're going to have the light that is going to lead you to life. It's kind of like the light of the world has been snuffed out, doesn't it? Is that where following Jesus is going to take you? Jesus said, I am resurrection. I am life. If you believe in me, you're going to live even after dying. Well, the one who claimed to be resurrection and life looks dead. The audacious claim seemed finished. Jesus had actually said, I am the way to God, I am the truth of God, I am the life from God and you can't get to the Father without coming through me. How in the world could any of those who were there that day seeing this take those words seriously? They sounded like the words of a megalomaniacal liar or a nutcase. In fact, Jesus had actually said one time, I am the I am. See, that was the way that the Jews understood God's name. Jesus claimed to be God. Now the day Jesus spoke those words, he escaped the stoning they wanted to give him, but now he was given the death that blasphemers deserved, they thought. He's done. He's finished. And as they stood there and heard his words, maybe a few of them even reflected back on some of the demands that he made on us, Jesus followers. Have you ever thought about how wild some of the things Jesus told us to do if we're going to be a Jesus follower? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Talking about your mom and dad? your wife and your kids, brothers and sisters, even yourself, otherwise you can't be my disciple. Now guys, we call men who say things like that cult leaders, right? Because only God would have the right to say words like that. I think at that moment, I probably would have wanted Jesus dead too. He had said, if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Well, that sounds prophetic. But do you want to end up there? He said, you can't be my disciple without giving up everything that you own. And they're probably standing there looking up at Jesus mockingly and saying, well, you got that one right, Jesus. Looks like you're showing them how to give up everything you own. Who wants to follow you now, Jesus? You're finished. And maybe some of them were thinking about the broken promises. Think about it. The promises sure looked broken. Because Jesus had promised so much, right? He had said to us, every one of you who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, property for my sake. And these guys had given up all that for Jesus. He said, they'll receive a hundred times as much in return, and they will inherit eternal life. And now Jesus is dead. Jesus had said, whatever it costs to follow me, it's worth it. And I wonder if some of them were looking up at that cross thinking, yeah, right. He had actually said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'm going to acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me here on earth, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. But listen, guys, words are easy to say. Promises are easy to make. And people are so daggone gullible. We believe them. Maybe they're thinking now, was this Jesus just a damnable liar? Was he just a deluded fool? (laughs) What a difference three days is going to make. They had heard him promise repeatedly, I'll be back. They're going to kill me. In three days, I'll be back. But that always confused them. Messiahs don't die, gods can't die. How absurd had that sounded, right? And there on the cross, all but dead, Jesus says, It's finished. And I think this was the beginning of the most deceptive moment in history. The most deceptive. I mean, his enemies had had him arrested on trumped-up charges. They'd put him through the farce of a trial. They'd mocked him, whipped him till he was almost dead, nailed him to a cross, and he was almost finished. The crowd is gathered because crowds always gather where there's something titillatingly gruesome to watch because we're weird that way. And all these people hear Jesus utter words that can be taken so differently, so much abstruseness and ambiguity. Think about what Jesus said. He's hanging there between two criminals dying and, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive who? Forgive the criminals. Forgive the soldiers who were very good at what they were doing. Forgive those who had had him arrested and brutalized and executed? What right does a heretic have to tell God who to forgive? And shouldn't Jesus be the one begging forgiveness? I mean, if I'd been on the cross, I'd be begging forgiveness to someone. Wouldn't you? Who did Jesus think he was saying something like that? And then Jesus turns to one of the criminals who had kind of defended Jesus. (coughs) And he says, I assure you, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And that sounded almost farcical, guys. One dying heretic telling another dying criminal in a few minutes things are going to be great. Sounded like the delusional rantings of a maniac, right? And then Jesus says those strange words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Which to most of those who heard him probably seemed like the most lucid words he had spoken. No kidding. You thought you were so much, right, Jesus? Filled their heads with lies. Jesus, of course, God has abandoned you. You see, I suspect that his enemies heard these as words of despair, words of defeat, words of emptiness. I suspect even his friends heard them as words of despair and defeat and emptiness. It's amazing how different those words would sound three days later. And then Jesus says, I thirst. I'm no kidding. He'd been scourged, which back then led to extreme blood loss. Nailed to a cross, which would have continued the bleeding. Baked under a Near Eastern sun. He would have been utterly dehydrated. In fact, that was part of the torture of crucifixion. Ordinarily, they would not have given a crucified man a drink. But when Jesus asked for a drink, maybe because his throat was just parched and he had something incredibly important to say, For some reason, they went ahead and gave him this sour, cheap wine. Maybe later, maybe later they reflected on that psalm, Psalm 22, which begins with these words. Did you know this? The psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Later on in that psalm, the psalmist is going to say this. My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide their garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Isn't that weird? It sounds like the cross, doesn't it? The words of a righteous sufferer who started out saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? and ended up praising the God he knows has never abandoned him. Maybe those hearing Jesus would remember that righteous sufferer who started out with words of despair, ending up praising his God. Anyway, now Jesus is ready to say those words he's wetted his throat because apparently he wanted us to hear these words and he says it is finished it's finished probably said it in Aramaic something like "mashalem." the gospel of John records it in Greek tetelestai it's three words in English it is finished In the Greek, it's just one word. And what's strange about that word is the tense that John uses because it conveys the idea that whatever was finished keeps on being finished. It's completely done now. It's going to stay finished. In other words, mission accomplished. That's the force of the word. You see, what they heard and what Jesus meant are probably two very different things. In their minds, the buffoon was finished. The megalomaniacal liar was finished. His delusional claims and demands and promises were finished. And, guys, if you are not a Jesus follower, you'd better hope that they were right. Maybe when they heard Jesus utter these words, maybe they thought, maybe he's just glad the suffering's about over. It's all finished. Maybe when they heard these words, they thought maybe Jesus was admitting failure, defeat. It's finished. But what if it was not? What if there was a glint in Jesus' eye, the faintest smile on his face? What if this is Jesus' way of raising his fist, shouting, It's done, God. Mission accomplished. We win. I guarantee you that in about three days others would start to understand. But not yet. Because this is the single most deceptive scene in history, right? Because it looks like Jesus is dead, gone, done. And gods can't die. So it looks like total mission failure. But what if? What if the mission was to die? What if his mission was to die on purpose? I mean, his whole life was on purpose, wasn't it? Jesus had said, I didn't come here to be served, but to serve you guys. I came here to give my life as a ransom for you guys. I came here to die for you guys, he had said. Hadn't Jesus said, so strangely as Moses lifted up a bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I'm going to have to be lifted up so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life? What if? Mission accomplished. Hadn't he said, the Son of Man must, he must, he must suffer many terrible things. He's going to be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. He's going to be killed, and on the third day, I will be raised from the dead, he says. That's the plan. What if it was the plan? But how in the moment could you know if Jesus was right? How in the moment could you know whether this was maybe the stupidest plan ever, you know, to die horribly on purpose, or whether it actually was God's wild, weird, wonderful way to show us the depth of our sin and to give us a way out? How could you know in the moment whether these were simply the delirious words of a dying man or God's truth. You see, guys, if the story had ended here, you'd never know for sure. Was he a megalomaniacal liar? Was he a delusional fool just getting the justice he deserved? Or was he God, the way to God, the truth of God, the life of God? I mean, I know it's easy to make the kind of outrageous claims that Jesus made. It's easy to make the kind of outrageous demands on his followers that Jesus made. It's easy to make the kind of outrageous promises that Jesus did. Others have. It's rarer for someone to say, they're going to kill me, but in three days I'm going to be back. But what if, what if a man who had said those things pulls it off? What if in three days he really is back? That would kind of make it as finished sound a little different, wouldn't it? In fact, all of those things that Jesus had said on that cross would sound way different now, right? Father forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. No kidding. They didn't have a clue. But if a man predicts his death and his resurrection and pulls it off, maybe he does have a lot of pull with God maybe he can dispense forgiveness. He had told the criminal, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And if a man predicts his death and his resurrection and pulls it off, maybe he really can pull off a promise like that. I know he'd said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But maybe we discovered that those are not the words of a man who had lost hope in God. Maybe he was driving them back to the Psalms where it talked about a righteous sufferer who in the end would be vindicated by God. And then he says, it's finished. It's finished. Not words of despair, but words of victory. We did it, Father, it's done. Your will, my mission accomplished. They have their way back now. You see, raising from the dead is kind of difficult for a man to pull off on his own. You try it. Pretty much takes the help of our Creator, right? So doesn't it seem like Easter is kind of like God telling us all over again, this is my son, guys. Listen to him. Doesn't it seem like this is what it's all about? We're gonna talk about the evidence for that on Wednesday why it takes way more faith to disbelieve in the resurrection than it does to believe in it. Don't you think this is God saying, this is my son. Listen to him. (coughs) You see that mission that Jesus claimed to be on, those outrageous claims that he'd made about himself, the outrageous demands that he made on us, the outrageous promises that he titillated us with. God is like, this is my son, guys. Listen to him. You see that it is finished sounds a whole lot different on Sunday than it did on Friday. It was ambiguous on Friday. It is not so after Easter morning. We need the forgiving he offered on that cross. He actually has the power to drag a penitent sinner to paradise. Words that sounded like he had lost all hope, that he had been abandoned by God. They don't sound so bad now. And his mission wasn't a failure. He'd done it. You know what was finished? I mean, the old way to God, the old covenant, the sacrifices, the law, all of that's finished, he says. You know what else is finished? Any delusion that I might have harbored, that you might have harbored, that we don't need saving, it's finished. Bottom line, guys, I need Jesus, and you need Jesus, and there's not been a man or woman born alive that doesn't need Jesus. You know what else is finished? Any other path that we think might lead us to God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one, no one gets to the Father without coming through me. And when the father raised the son from the dead. God was saying, this is my son. Listen to him. You see, all the alternatives that we think we might prefer are finished. Judaism is a way to God is finished. Islam is a way to God, finished. Buddhism is a way to God, finished. Polytheism, pantheism, any other kind of theism that you can think of. When God raised Jesus from the dead, they're finished. Atheism, absolutely finished your notion that you can make your own way to God, your own truth, it's all finished. They won't work. You know what else is finished? Any attempt that I might make to marginalize Jesus, give him just some of myself. He's God, guys. It does not work to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and reject him as your Lord. It's finished. Now, fortunately, that does not mean that God is finished with you. In fact, it means exactly the opposite. It's finished, so now we have a new beginning, right? Now you can get started again with God. I know some of you guys have been finished with Him, you think. He's never, ever finished with you. That's why He went to the cross, guys. Do you think there's a limit on how much God loves you, On a limit on what He would do to bring you back to Him? I know we're prone to quit on God sometimes. We're prone to marginalize God sometimes. He won't quit on us. I know it's crazy to believe in Jesus. It's way crazier not to. Bottom line, what is finished, guys, is any delusion that I have that I don't need saving. What is finished is any reason that I might concoct to push Jesus away or even marginalize him. What is finished is the lunacy that there are many ways to God or that I can create my own path. What is finished is any pretension that I might harbor that I can earn my way to heaven. What is finished is my right to find my own purpose, to make up my own right and wrong, to define my own self, my life. What's finished is any good reason for hopelessness and despair. as finished as any propensity I might have to believe that I'm beyond hope but he leaves the decision with us he will never force himself on us he'll never force you to bend your knees he lets you choose so what do you choose what have you chosen you see because he's finished we can start all over again right we have brand new start if we'll take advantage of it because he's finished we have a new beginning so what's your decision let's pray together father it's an amazing story it's a sacrifice that just blows our minds and we're so grateful it's wild to believe it it's even crazier not to Give us the wisdom, the courage to be children of God. Give us the wisdom and the courage to seize the life that you've offered to us. Give us the wisdom and the courage to bend our knees and to start real life. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Guys, if you want to talk about making Jesus Christ your king, I'm going to sit right down there. and I'm going to be right here after the service. Just come on down and let's talk for a while. There's also an elder praying for you in that room in the back. It's called the prayer room praying for you right now if you want to go talk in private to an elder about making jesus the king of your life go on and talk to him we'd love to talk to you if you're not a jesus follower yet become one before you leave this room right let's stand and worship our god (laughs)
1: No, <laughs>
6: a good twist to a story and Jesus has the biggest twist of all Jesus says that it is finished but it was really just the beginning because what was finished on Friday really started something brand new on Sunday and it gives me chills to consider what happened in that tomb that morning it didn't stay in that tomb this isn't a one-time event he hasn't stopped resurrecting Jesus has been making dead things come alive ever since. Jesus said it is finished. And it's true, sin is finished, but life is just beginning because Sunday is here and resurrection is here. We believe in the power of Jesus' name. And it's our job to proclaim that name wherever we may go. And it's it's the fact that he resurrected not just himself, but that he resurrected you and me. And so we're gonna shout it. We're gonna shout it from the mountain, we're gonna shout it in the streets, in the darkest places we go, wherever you may be, it's Jesus.
5: Shout Jesus from the mountains, and Jesus in the streets, and Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my faith,
7: is what we do, to shout Jesus over your families and the neighborhoods and your places of business, everything that you do. Let Jesus be the one that's in charge of you at this point, okay? I'm so glad that you chose to be here. I'm so glad that you are here on this Easter Sunday. He is risen. He's risen indeed. We want to make sure that you know what's going on, so if you want to make sure, go to our uh, website, capcity.info, you can find out everything that we're doing. One in particular on Saturday that's happening for ladies. If you want to register for a ladies brunch, it's happening this Saturday, so make sure that you go to the website. And make sure you also come back next Sunday. We start a whole brand new series. It's called Remastered. It's very, very cool that Jesus Christ has done this stuff. That's our story. And now he wants to do something. He loves us exactly as we are, but he also loves us enough to take us into a new place. So wherever you were, the old is going to be made new with this Remastered series. We hope that you come back. We're uh, going to do another song, but you guys can feel free to leave. It's one that these guys are very excited about. So uh, we're glad that you chose to be here. Can I pray for you all? And then we'll send you out, okay? Father, thank you so much for these people and their love for you, their desire to see you, to experience you, Father, your story, that that's the one that we want to be a part of. What Jesus Christ has done for this world, he's done for me. And I'm so thankful that I can bring that to my family, I can bring that to where I work, and my neighborhood, and everything else. I just want to make sure that I, I look like Jesus. I want to sound like Jesus, and I want that for every person here. So we, we shout what Jesus Christ has done, we shout it to everybody that we know. It's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Hope to see you again next week.